Welcome to the Nursing with Intention podcast. I am Dr. Patrice Little, CEO and founder of MP Student Magazine, the definitive voice of nurse practitioner students. And today is uh, an exciting episode. I'm so excited to have our first guest, Kennedy Mitchum. Kennedy, can you tell us where you are from and where did you graduate? I'm from St. Louis, Missouri, um, a little suburb called Florissant, Ferguson, the Ferguson, Florissant area. I graduated from Drake University, so I went five hours away in Iowa. Um, I got a degree in public relations and then another one in law, politics, and society. So you've always been a leader, I can tell, based on those uh, degrees <laughs> that you <laughs> were already in pre- preparation to do something great. Now, coming up like as a child, was there any type of like creative uh, outlets or things that you used that helped you um, strengthen your voice and your position as a leader? I think that um, it was mostly reading. I went to a lot of all white schools and I was always like, I was the only black girl in grade school. And then I went to high school and there was, it was more diversity, but it was still like 3% of people of color. So it was kind of hard when you're surrounded, like the media doesn't really portray, you know, how black women as leaders, I mean, or black men in general. So it was my outlet of creativity and just seeing what I could be was mostly just um, reading about people who look like me and reading about their experiences that match mine. Well, I think it took a while just because of that lack of representation and that lack of understanding throughout my great throughout my younger years and in high school that's kind of where I took on more leadership roles and kind of found myself and kind of denied like the stereotypes and denied like all the stuff that people always kind of try to put those the labels that people try to put on me um so in high school that's when I took on a lot of different roles um I was the president of diversity club in high school and I got to work a lot with different mentors and different like just getting to know more people in my own community and then that kind of continued in college when I was on the board for NAACP and things like that. So you mentioned that you would read about uh, leaders about black leaders who was your biggest influencer? Honestly Malcolm X. <laughs> I think that it was it was coming from a place where we can I could really relate to him um, as it like his childhood and my childhood not not necessarily the things that we we went through but the but our beliefs kind of how you kind of are just indulged in so much whiteness um so you kind of just think that that's the norm and then you're kind of you grow up and just see like okay this is you know a lot of this stuff is happening because of a long history of discrimination and a long there's just so many more pieces to the puzzle that you you don't really learn about when you're a kid and you so you just kind of go with the flow and go with what you what is perceived as normal and what can you kind of just try to fit in versus you know um versus really understanding 
your history. So I think he's definitely someone who had a really big influence, especially throughout high school, just reading about him and kind of like his beliefs and he and his thoughts. I think that's why a lot of people like when I a lot of people want to like try to call me radical too, but it's kind of like fighting for equal rights. You know, that's not something that should be considered radical. That's so powerful. Um, and I just want us to stay right there. You mentioned how the the fight for us to have equity or really things in equality so things could be equitable is not truly radical. It's just the fact that this is, is a, about fairness um, for the whole human race. And one of the terms, and it was whiteness, you use that as a descriptor to describe the whole standardization of how things are are done and mm-hmm. i i thought you said that that very well i too um was raised even though i'm first generation american i was raised in a predominantly caucasian community actually jewish community. and what happens is you adapt and or you for you acculturate to what is around you which is natural right so whatever you are exposed to as a as a child um, or um, your environment has a lot of influence to who you are today. So this would be a good time for us to talk about like your earliest memory of racial discrimination being that you were raised in that community where you were one of the, I don't like to use the word token blacks, but where you were one of the few blacks. Yeah, it was, it's kind of crazy because it's not even like, I don't even have like any really early on memories of like people being blatantly like racist towards me. Um, It's more like the way that in order for me to be liked, I had to kind of, you know, change myself and kind of adapt. Like, I think I was very early on, like throughout from first to third, I went to an all black um, school out here in Florissant, but it wasn't the best education system. So I had to go 30 minutes away to um, a private all white Catholic school. And so at first I really didn't have many friends. Like it was just really something that was a huge adjustment for me. Like, but until I started doing like straightening, straightening my hair and, you know, kind of just trying to like adapt, like that's when I had, that's when I started getting more friends. And that's when I started, you know, getting invited places out. And I think it was kind of, it was the weirdest thing for me, like looking back on it, because it was just like, I was just a kid. I just wanted friends. But the only way to get that was I had to kind of achieve and kind of like lose, I lost myself and I had to go towards more of the norms, like be less, to be perceived as less, you know, combative or less aggressive or less and that was I mean due to racism itself like a lot of the kids just were afraid of me weren't talking to me and things like that and I really just thought it was something like it was my problem it was like oh I'm just not you know doing enough or I'm just not being friendly enough and then I'm looking back at it I was just like wow, like I really tried to change my whole being because I couldn't fit in, but that was just because I was a black woman in this all white, in this all white environment. So I think that was the biggest 
thing. And like when I went to high school, that was when I was like, wow, I don't have to, I don't have to just, I don't have to, you know, be this way in order to be like, I can be myself. And that's why it's, it's so important that we redefine how things should, should, how we should treat each other, um, which has been, is evident now that we need to be better with that. But one of the things I wanted to just segue into, this is the most exciting part of today's episode that I want to talk about, is your role in getting the definition amended, the definition of racism amended in Marion Webster's. Can you tell us a little bit about how that came about? Yeah, I mean, during... um... The summer was a really intense time for um, a lot of a lot more racial disparities were just on, you know, with COVID, the disparities in, you know, black and brown communities and then police brutality. And it was just so much going on. And when I go to social media and I'm just trying to spread awareness, I'm just posting on Facebook, posting little memes and a lot of people who were who were ignorant would come on my post and just be like, that's not racism. You know, I posted, I think I posted some, just something about um, just race and, you know, the disparities that I saw. And someone was like, well, you can't really, and I, in my post, I put like, this is racism on full display. Like, this is ridiculous. Like America, we have to do better. And then someone was like, that's re- that's not racism, but that that is inequality, but that's not what racism is. And I'm like, what are you, and I just was like, uh, and this is a common like thing. Every time I post anything, every time I say anything, I've gotten into this disagreement with people where they try to tell me what racism is. And these are, I mean, it's some people who are a lot of people, mostly it was just white people, but it was even, you know, black people coming on my post saying, you know, you really have to be better educated and stuff like that on like the correct terms and correct, correct analogy to use when you're describing a different situation. And I'm like, okay, you're telling me I'm in school, I'm in school, I learn about this stuff every day. Um, I'm not just saying this just to say it. I'm, I've gotten this from race scholars, from critical, the critical thinking like there there's a lot more from the thinkers yeah like (laughs) like this is not just me like I've gotten this from someone from reading from actually trying to reach out and learn more because my teachers aren't teaching me this stuff so after that I was kind of like this is the last time when I should have to like this is the last time I'm going to have to defend like what racism is and what it looks like when I have experienced it on all of the different layers that exist and the inter like literally and the interpersonal racism, the you know, people trying to do it low-key and the blatant racism. Like yeah. there's so much more to racism than just disliking someone because of the color of their skin. And that's really just like I feel like at this point we should all like the there's statistic that that back that up. So it's just like I but a lot of people just look, boom, copy and paste real quick, the dictionary definition. So I said, okay, so this is, <laughs> this is one of the problems. This is kind of the root of, you know, what a lot of people th- we live in this era where, you know, the internet is so, you know, easy to use. So people are just really Googling racism. And the first thing that pops up, they're like, 
no, this is what it is. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna win. I'm like, no, this is not, it's not, it's not, it shouldn't even be like that. So I reached out and I sent Merriam-Webster an email and I just told them that they were really misinforming people with the dictionary definition that they had. I said it was very, you know, slim compared to how huge of a problem and huge of an impact that it has on people of color um, and that this is something that needs to be amended it needs to be changed because like especially in a time like this when we have you know these racial disparities are just at the forefront we need a lot more we need everyone on the same page and that's never going to happen if they keep running back to your definition to try to tell me race what racism is and what it's not and so they, they did really show a lot of reluctance at first, it, but it kind of was like, it was the same thing over and over again. You know, how they don't really, how people in power, they don't really care about the little people and what they have to say and like what my, the minority groups, they kept saying, um, you know, we can't, they kept saying we have to portray what the majority um, has written about racism and what the majority thinks about racism. And I just emailed back and I'm like, so is the majority the one who is experiencing racism? And also what type of literature are you guys reading? Because I, once again, I just, oh, the great race thinker, I've learned this stuff. Like, so if I can learn it, you can, you can learn about it too. Like there's so much literature from a lot of different people about racism. So why can't you guys figure that out? So then after that, um, he emailed me back and basically another, you know, kind of just trying to, he was apologizing and stuff like that. And I just emailed back again. I'm like, no, this is not, I mean, you can't, it's not anything to apologize for at this point. Like, when are you guys going to change? I was like, when are you guys going to change it? Because I'm going to keep emailing you all because this is something I've ran into, especially in college. Um, when people are really like, I've dealt with a lot of entitled people who just think they know everything and they go to the dictionary to try to address me. And I'm like, I've dealt with this for years. Like at this point, it's on you all. And I'm going to keep reaching out to you all. And so then after that, um, he sent a very, very long email, the editor, and was just like, after discussing with you, I am going to, we ought, we have decided to amend the dictionary definition, um, we have realized that not including any of the systemic issues and the system, the way racism is systemic is a problem within itself and it is a viewpoint within itself. So uh, we're gonna take our time and look uh, and look at the work from different, from people of all different colors and backgrounds and we're gonna, you know, adjust it accordingly. So that was really, it was really awesome. I was happy because at first it's kind of like it's it's uh, it's hard not to give up because it's just like the same thing. It's like the same thing over and over again. You feel like it's kind of like you feel like it's just hard to keep pushing when you're you're always hitting that 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 wall. You're always running. It's, if it's not one thing, it's another. But that was kind of one example. It, like when you, you keep pushing and like that, it actually pays off. So. Yeah. Thank you for um, your persistence, 
with doing, with getting that definition amended. And you've touched on many points at the fact that oftentimes the individuals that um, who are feeling convicted at the fact that we're saying, hey, that is racist. Those who are feeling convicted, they're, they're using the books, the, um, and some of the skewed literature, I might add, mm-hmm. uh, to, to support their points not often acknowledging the fact that the ones who have written the books are um, for on mainstream are not um, are not blacks or not minorities. The ones who make the standardized tests are not minorities. The ones who um, make to do the definitions, they're not minorities or who have served on the role as editor like, even mm-hmm. with my platform, I'm just going to talk about it briefly because it's not just about my platform, but being the first um, editor, or I should say Black nurse to launch something that's specifically for nurse practitioner students, there's actually no other platform for MP students. For me doing that, that has been a challenge on its, itself. People try to challenge your credibility as if you're not just as intelligent and like, and even though we, I have a doctorate, they have a doctorate, but there's still that challenge. Mm-hmm. And quite frankly, um, part of pushing and bringing about change is to be willing to deal with the fact that there will be pushback. So for any of you who are listening, and if there's any type of uh, initiatives you're trying to launch, or any kind of changes you're trying to make at your local university or at your hospital or practice, understand that it comes with the territory. There will be pushbacks in the sense that you will be challenged, but do not take it personally. Um, because what happens is anytime it comes to the truth, people, people and it forces people to question themselves, that means you, mm-hmm. you, you've done something great. And Kennedy, you have you've done something that many young people, because I wanted to segue into that, many young people do not realize that it's not all about silent and uh, not silent, pardon me, the um, the peaceful, I should say, protests. Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to about bringing about change, it could be trying to get the definitions amended. It could be, I have a book coming out about nursing with intention, a sustainable approach uh, to rethinking race across nursing. It could be contributing to the literature. So writing the book, mm-hmm. it could be launching a podcast. It could also be, even with the standardized tests, we may not be able to, because how things are set up may not have that role, but even launching organizations that focuses specifically on the retraining of how um, us as a society we look look at things and look at each other. And mm-hmm. again, Kennedy, you 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 are so you're like way above, like way further than I was at your age. And that is one of the things that drew me to you because I saw that comfort in you doing that. And it made me feel like, hey, I I I need to, I need to get on my game. So what you're doing, believe it or not you're when you when you go out there and you challenge those systems it also allows people such as myself and people in um young people in your group to feel Mm -hmm. like they could do bring about change as well so thank you 
Oh, it's a pleasure. Now, with that, you brought about that change during that, um, during the global rec thing that was, is really sad. And I feel like we all need therapy after 2020. Ooh. What types of <laughs> projects or initiatives are you working on now to continue increasing awareness, the racial and, and social injustice? And I love how you earlier, when you were talking about how there are other ways to, you know, bring about change. And I think that that was one thing after I did that, I was kind of like, you know, struggling with like, okay, I'm out protesting, but it just doesn't feel like what can I personally, what else can I personally do to continue this? So I just much like you, I went like the literature route. I've always loved writing. I've always loved, um, you know, especially when it comes to kind of being more inclusive with writing and things like that. I think it's really important. So with that, I'm starting um, different books about featuring race, about racism, um, but it's for kids and stuff like that. I think one thing that kind of when I'm just thinking about when I just sat down and thought about you know what could have made this different what could what could have changed my life so I could be more educated or have the tools that I needed to kind of be different because much like you know you know racism has a very big impact on your mental health and a lot of the times and a lot of the things I went through as a kid I didn't realize you know that it was racism I didn't realize that what I was encountering was not my, it wasn't because of me, it was because of, you know, the way that society works and the way that ultimately society has, you know, we're putting whiteness on the, we're putting whiteness and it's just, everything revolves around that. So when you're not, when you're not that, when you're not, when you're different, um, you can't, you see that, I mean, you kind of just think that it's on you, but it's not like, and we're not really educated on that, especially even my mom and my, my mom, my dad, my family, they were, you know, they knew racism existed, but it was just something that really just wasn't talked, wasn't talked much about. So as a kid, I really just was like, okay, like, okay, like kind of, I kind of held the, I did everything by myself and I was just really like, put everything on me and stuff like that. So I really wanted, okay, to write a book that has more of, okay, this is what racism is and this is what racism can look like. It's not just, you know, people saying, yeah, like, oh yeah, calling you the N-word. It's, you know, a lot of the different, it's the uphill battle that you have to, you know, continue to fight and stuff like that. So that is what I'm working on now. And I can't wait to uh, see when that book is released so I could be one of the first um, patrons to purchase because I do have children and you're absolutely right. Many of our um, our counterparts or in the um, white community do not understand as um, Black citizens, we have to do a lot of talking and educate, education to our children and how to function day to day in a predominantly Caucasian um, society. Mm -hmm. And you're right, a lot of the things that are produced out there as far as, again, with the description, the descriptor whiteness is really what the standard is. So when we look at like, for instance, in nursing, anytime we oh, have yeah. some type of statistics mm -hmm. when it comes to a health condition, they're always saying, um, 
African-American women are more likely to have low birth weight babies compared to, or, you know, that's one of the, the one that <laughs> stuck in my head the most when I was in nursing school or um, the one that they recently con- corrected, I want to say about four years ago, is uh, Black people uh, have a higher tolerance of pain, basically compared to... Uh-huh. So, it's the compared to if the whole goal of this podcast is for us to eradicate that compared to mm-hmm. whites as a standard. Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, we are individuals, even in healthcare, the way you treat and approach a, a patient, even if you're following an algorithm, the care is still individualized. And race is just something at times race and ethnicity and and also culture has a that those variances are not per se to make one group of people appear better than another Mm -hmm. but it's to help you guide you in your decision making and i'm so happy that you mentioned we have to get rid of those compared to this compared to what because what it does is it makes us as black people feel like no matter what we do, we are never good enough because of the color of our skin. And that is not so. Wow. Now, is there anything else that you would like to um, mention or, or, or highlight as far as the, the listeners who are, for instance, we will have people who are familiar with the term racism and there are allies and they're trying to implement change in their area and then you'll have people who are the challengers so any words of wisdom for those who still do not understand where we're coming um I think you gotta at this point in time this is a pivotal moment like 2020 will go down in history books and 2021 already like there's so much that is going on and it's all you just have to compare and look at different situations and do your own research um don't just i think a lot of people they kind of are so used to just knowing oh listening to their parents listening to whoever you know is they're, they're t- they take the easy route and so when they hear and see stuff that doesn't that doesn't um, fit the, their standard that's already in their mind, they don't really tr- they don't really they automatically are on defense and they're automatically just oh okay yeah that's not true. like obviously they did something obviously the Black Lives Matter protesters they they deserve to be brutalized and things of that nature. That's not like you guys just got to do your research. You got to do what you got to if you really want to you know you say you have black friends you say you you say you're doing what needs to be done but it's really just on educating yourself I think that that's the huge thing because the thing is I mean we all I didn't learn about half this stuff and just from schooling or from my parents it was just something that um, needed you needed to understand in order for life to you know be in order to be a better ally in order to be a better friend in order to be a better everything you really just have to open your ears and listen to what's going on and compare different situations and things like that and for the people who are you know trying to push for change just don't stop ever just keep just keep going I mean there's so many there's so much exactly what you said earlier there's so many people who are going to 
try to stop you. There's so many people. There were so, so many people sending death threats. There were so many people in my inbox like, oh, you think you're smart. You think you're this. You think you're that. But at the end of the day, I know what I bring to the table. I know what I'm capable of and I'm going to keep doing it. Like just, I think it's really just reiterating and knowing your purpose, knowing your worth, knowing that this you're doing this stuff for a reason, for the betterment of society, for your kids so they don't have to go through the same things that you're going through. Just focus on the bigger picture and not just the little people who are trying to they're trying to mess up that picture like just focus on what you're doing because I promise it, you you might lose sight sometimes but it's gonna be it's gonna make the world a better place so just don't forget that well said it it it, it really is about taking that time to do the research yourself even if and sometimes you may have to do it alone because mm-hmm. the people around you they their views um, is so against what the, the, the truth is that you may have to be alone. And that's why things like podcasts or watching movies or the different initiatives mm-hmm. that they, um, have out there to learn about how to be an ally are, um, are an asset to this movement. So Kennedy, I feel like you have such a bright, bright future in store and, you know, I, I wanted to ask you, where do you see yourself 10 years from now? But I was like, ah, I'll just tell her where I see yourself. <laughs> <from now." laughs> I, I just, I mean, when I'm looking at you, I see, just put it this way. I think about Stacey Abrams when I see about what you're doing for those who are not Stacey Abrams story with um, how she played a pivotal role here in Georgia to mm. get those Amazing. votes that were suppressed <laughs> To be so, it's almost like wow, you know, this state may not have always been red. It may have been the fact that the votes have been suppressed for so long, and mm-hmm. all of what she had was able to do today. It had it started when she was young. She was a mover and shaker, just like you, Kennedy, when she was young, and so it's it's just gonna get bigger and brighter from from here. And, you know, the crap with the individuals that um, tell you that you think you actually you are smart. That's why they say you think you're smart. <laughs> we know we, we know how that reverse psychology works. Uh-huh. In, in a sense. So um, and I just encourage you um, to continue. I don't know um, who you have as your support system, but can embrace those that speak life in that. Um, and, and, you know, they may give you some constructive criticism as well, but above all, it's all about making sure that you're growing in the right direction because you're already to a good start. And I'm telling you, you're, you're, you're going to be even more amazing from here. And I am so um, privileged to have you as our first guest where we talk about the 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 redefining of racism and i feel that today we have planted us that we will see the fruits of 10 years from now because it's going to get better and it's going to get brighter and um thank you thank you that was beautifully said (laughs) (laughs) thank you and thank you You're welcome. And thank you listeners for tuning in to the Nursing with Intention uh, podcast. 
Again, this is part of the Racial Culture Competency Initiative of MP Student Magazine that was launched out of the um, global reckoning that occurred in the 2020 year. And just if you haven't already, subscribe and feel free to send us a voice message if you felt like you were um, empowered by today's episode and you have a great day.